Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Lisbon Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On this week's episode, Australia's greatest ever off-spinner, Nathan Lyon, previews the All-Australian Clash here in Southampton. And our women's editor, Laura Jolly, chats to Aussie spinner Sophie Molyneux after the Australian women's side wrapped up the ashes in Taunton. To get through that, we welcome back a favourite of the Unplayable Podcast who will be here for the entire Ashes series. He's cricket.com.au senior writer, Andrew Ramsey. And speaking of spinners, he spun more yarns than Shane Warne has leg breaks. Welcome back, Rambo. And I don't have the variety of vocabulary that Warney had in his repertoire either. Well, uh, where have you been, Rambo? What's been happening? How's the research team? Uh, yes, I've, uh, they've disappeared somewhere onto the continent. Um, uh, they should be back in time for the first test. If they're not, I'm going to replace them with an abacus. <laughs> right. Now, this is what number, what number of ashes is this for you? Um, I think my first one was Willie Murdoch's 1880 trip um, when we came over on the boat, obviously. But mm-hmm. uh, I've missed a couple for various reasons, ill health and uh, yep. some dental appointments and other things. So I think this is actually going through it by fourth. Okay, fourth. And on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you? Um, well, I was going to say four just to keep the symmetry. Yep. But no, uh, ten. This is exciting. This is, you know, this is the greatest summer of cricket that England has seen since uh, the last Ashes summer. Yes, Maybe 2005, was that your first one? No. It, it was actually, yes. It was. Yeah, 2005, which people have been saying for many, many years was the greatest modern Ashes series, and I think this one's going to top it. <gasps> Bold prediction early on in the series. Well done, Rambo. Uh, now, we spoke to Nathan Lyon uh, earlier. Good half an hour chat with him. How would you sum that up? Uh, he was very relaxed, wasn't he, I thought? Mm. You know, people keep saying that this is a big, you know, this Australia v Australia, the shootout for places in the Ashes squad is, you know, is he, on edge. Is he locked in, do you reckon? Well, as he pointed out, at the draft for these two teams, when they allocated positions, he was the last one picked. Mm. And in the schoolyard, that was never a good sign. But I think, given his record and uh, given his uh, incumbency in the team, I think he can be reasonably comfortable. Maybe that's why he's relaxed. Maybe they're just uh, flying under the radar a bit here, away from all the the hype which has been very England focused in the last few weeks if you're a 10 out of 10 excited for it what do you reckon Nathan Lyon is very hard to gauge isn't it when he is a man who plays his cards close to his chest uh, but he seemed pretty upbeat up and about as they like to say so I'd go 8 to 8.3 all right well uh, here's Nathan Lyon we spoke to him earlier in Southampton uh, on the eve of the clash between the Hick 12 and the Haddon 12 we're here at the Aegeus Bowl with uh, Rambo and Nathan Lyon, uh, ahead of today's big game against uh, the Haddon 12 and the Hick 12. Lyon, you're on the uh, well, you're on the, you're the Hick 12. Hickey side, yeah. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, exciting to be here. So look forward to seeing what uh, the Haddon team brings out to uh, on the on the field here. But uh, should be good fun and uh, good preparation. Yep. Uh, before we get on to the Ashes and the, the, the big intra-squad game, uh, you're part of the World Cup. 
uh, Australia knocked out in the semi-finals uh, to eventual champions England. Your first World Cup campaign. What are your sort of reflections on that? Um, amazing to be a part of uh, such a big, big event and massive tournament. Obviously, the World Cups, uh, in my eyes, is probably the, the ultimate prize, in, especially in one-day cricket, because you, if you want to win it, you've got to beat everyone. Um, and so it's probably the ultimate prize. But uh, my feelings on it was pretty gutted, like pretty gutted. I didn't didn't watch the final at all. I was popped away with uh, with my partner for four days and. Couldn't couldn't bear to turn the TV TV on to. Uh, but watch. you're getting some updates, weren't you? Uh, my brother was yeah. He was kindly enough remind me of what was going on. <laughs> so without with being the kindest kindest way. So there was a lot of talk before the World Cup about how spinners were going to be crucial, particularly wrist spinners and stuff. But it seemed that the seamers and the quicks did most of the the damage. Was that just because of conditions were different from what everyone was expecting, or was it, does a World Cup make everything change? Um, I think a bit of both actually. I think. I was I was amazed to uh, to see how how much the short ball played played a role in in the World Cup. Um, it definitely certainly took me by surprise. I thought the spin was going to be um, a massive weapon in the in the World Cup, but um, I dare say a lot of teams like our, ourselves we did a lot of work on on improving our game um, against spin in the middle overs. I think um, so. I think a lot of hard work has actually paid off. And um, we probably didn't focus enough on short balls, to be honest. Right. Well, the World Cup's done. Mm. It's in the past. Next one's not f- till four years away. So uh, forget about that now. It's all about the Ashes. Uh, we're less than a, a fortnight away from the first test. Uh, we've got this game here tomorrow. Today, what's, uh, what are you feeling? Are you pumped, ready for the ready for the Red Ball stuff? Yeah, I can't wait. It's been about a couple of months since I've bowled with the Red Ball in my hand, but uh, it's been great to get out in the nets, and it was only the other day where I had a 45-minute session just with just me and Smith, one-on-one, um, which was a great challenge. His um, hunger is there, well and, well and truly there for this Ashes. He's um, yeah hitting that many balls, it's not funny. So to have a competitive net session against the best batter in the world with the Red Duke Mahan was a uh, yeah, great fun and great challenge. How many balls is he hitting? We were watching him at training the other day yeah. and the training session had finished and then all of a sudden Steve Smith walks back in the net and Graham Hicks' arm's about to fall off after all the throwdowns he's uh, thrown at him. <laughs> I would actually hate to num- know the actual amount. <laughs> I know the next day Hickey said, oh, geez, guys, I'm, this is the source I've been on, on tour. <laughs> so um, I think he's still hitting now. So, but anyway, he'd be hitting his room now, that's for sure. <laughs> Doesn't stop for him, does it? Uh, this is your third Ashes tour, uh, if you get selected. I mean, let's not uh, get too far ahead of ourselves. I was last picked the other night out of the draft, so <laughs> things aren't looking good. <laughs> well, first, say, say you make it, uh, third tour to England. What have you learnt on your, on your previous two trips? Um, it's a challenging place to play cricket. Um, but saying that's a great place to play. It's a Ashes Ashes series of the series that you want to be a part of as an Australian cricketer, and I think um, personally it's about being consistent as we can with the, with the ball uh, and challenging these guys' defence. It doesn't really change too much from around the world, but um, over here there's going to be times where it's going to be really extremely challenging, uh, bat and ball. Um, but we've just got to make sure we're doing the basics for long long periods of time and and try and identify the big big moments and the key moments of each test match and try and um, squash their their momentum if, if we can and or try and ride it out with with minimal damage and vice versa when when we're on a roll try and make maximize the damage that we can make with the battle ball 
you'll often be fielding out on the boundary. What's your way of coping with banter from the crowd, as we like to call it? Yeah. Oh, you just gotta you gotta try and enjoy it. I actually enjoy the Barmy Army. Um, I actually, it's probably quite bad. I actually end up singing the same songs that they <laughs> they sing to to pass some time out in the field. But um, I've got no problem with people sledging sledging me. Or but when it, when it becomes personal, that's when I I have a problem with it. But um, it is what it is, and this, everyone comes to cricket and they just think they can abuse it, whoever's closest to them. So especially over here in England, but it's part of the game. It's good fun and. Just got to take it with a pinch of salt and away we go. Do you ever chat back to them over the fence? There's been a few blokes in the day who've tried to get witty with them. Oh, yeah, I've said a few few nice things. That, <laughs> but um, I'm usually trying to take the mickey, but they don't usually get my sense of humour, so it doesn't go down too well. Did you, uh, did you cop a fair bit in the World Cup? Because it's uh, yeah. not exactly English crowds where you were playing all the other different nations. Yeah, it was amazing during the World Cup. It was actually everywhere we went, whether we were playing Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Pakistan, whoever we were playing against... Well, the most hated team in the competition, and everyone, bar the Australian supporters, wanted us to see us lose. So, it was it was quite entertaining going around the place. But um, that's a price to play when you when you're playing at the top level, I guess. How's the coach been, Dustin uh, Langer? All through the World Cup, I think he's 14 months in the gig now. Uh, have you seen him from when he first started to where he is during the World Cup, and now head of the Ashes? Uh, yeah, and I think Justin, as a coach, is, is is still growing. I think he's been, I think he's improved um, out of sight from from when he started. He's he's very, he can be a very emotional coach, but he's a very talented coach as well. A lot of mindset and and the way he gets up plays up and going. So I'm loving playing under him. Um, he's a great coach to to play. He can dare say be a little bit intimidating for young young players, and that's just because he's played over 100 test matches so any guy who plays cricket for Australia has automatically got the respect of the players but when you play 100 test matches the respect level dare say goes up a fair bit so he's definitely got the respect of all the players so yeah he's um, as everyone we're trying to learn and trying to get better and JL is definitely doing that and what about Stephen War? Has he had much to do with you around the group? Has he tried to teach you the back of the hand slower ball that apparently he invented uh, 150 years ago? You're a sweep. You play the sweep shot as well. Was he giving you tips? Yeah, about I'll the slog ask sweep? him about the slog sweeping. He he wants me to start slog sweeping quicks, but I don't really want to eat it for <laughs> breakfast. But uh, um, yeah, no, Tug has been brilliant. I've I've spent a lot of time with Tug just around the group and just asking about past experiences and hearing all the different stories. That, and he's amazed how how hard we train and uh, how long we train for and even in the gym and doing all the little things uh, he said oh we never would do run 400 meters and that would be it then we'd do a lot of running during fielding practice but he reckons the times have definitely changed which is pretty obvious but tug is very similar to the to the punter effect in my eyes um punter was absolutely brilliant during that throughout the world world cup and, and no matter Someone could tell you to, to play or throw a ball a certain way, but if, if punter comes over and, and says you need to throw it this way, then that's the right way. It could be totally the wrong way, but <laughs> it's a punter effect, and I think Tugger's got the same effect on the boys as well. Obviously, past legends of the game, two of the, two of the greatest to play the game, and so to have those guys around the group and pass on knowledge and just asking them about their career, who was the fastest bowler they faced and how times have changed, it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting to hear. Bit of a throwback for you too, Rambo. I mean, 
You were covering the game when those guys were in the track suits and they're here they are still. Yeah, I thought they trained just as hard back in the day. Maybe that's just the way I was watching it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, they certainly don't do as much, uh, didn't do as much running. Um, just watching Stephen Ward down on one knee doing the slips catching drills was outstanding, I thought. Uh, there's a bloke who he would thought would never get back in a track suit once he give, gave the game away. But those old competitive juices, once they're out there and the, there's a ball around and a bat around, they can't help themselves. He rolled the arm over He's yes, getting, sir, I think. He's getting a bit round, um. Yeah. yeah, I think he's pulled up a bit stiff as well. But he was on the foam roller this morning. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the, the draft night, the big unprecedented draft night. Uh, All-star, uh, 25 Australian players. Usman Khawaja not considered, so there was only the 24 to choose from. Uh, give us a little bit of an insight how it went down. Uh, yeah, Dean Hills, obviously our, our analyst, and Brad Hutton and... Graham Hick, where the, they had a toss of the coin, and Dink was uh, had a big screen up and had all the names done up as he loves to do the PowerPoint presentations and all that stuff. But uh, then we, all the players had to go to the back of the room. Then whoever had the first pick, I think Brad had the first pick. Then I think yeah, uh, they picked Paddy Cummins first. Uh, Winks yeah. Winks went up first. Then <laughs> then Paney. Then I didn't know until later that uh, Paney and I was a package deal. So as soon as Paney got picked, I was I was. The last the one board. picked, yeah. Off so I was, I was wiped out pretty early. But uh, and what's, the th- what's the thinking there? Why did you uh, uh, two well, as one? I've since found out it was pretty rigged. The the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, um, there's certain certain rules. Um, I think they wanted um, Stark and Pattinson on on either sides. Pony and myself, because Pony asked to keep to me um, to get used to for the upcoming Ashes. Um, you had to have you know, a certain number of openers on each side, right? Yeah, yeah. You had to have so, one spinner yeah. on each side, so that's why Holland yeah. went and, and heads the other captain. So once Payne was picked, he wiped you off the board, he wiped Travis. Holland off the board, head off the board. Yeah, yeah, so I was basically all picked and they just wanted to see a few players sweat, I think. <laughs> it used to be like the old school days, the last one picked was... Always a kid. I know what that feels like. Was there any sort of appeals process? If you didn't like where you ended up, could you go to the judiciary? Yeah, um, I, I thought about going to the judiciary, saying I've got eight left-handers to bowl to. I think so. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't mind a couple of right-handers, but I've got um, Young Puck and Manus in there, so hopefully they bat for a while. So the two teams are picked. Uh, what are you looking to get out of this game? Uh, every, all the talk has been about how intense it's going to be. There are Ashes spots up for grabs. Um, it's a perfect preparation for for an Ashes contest. What are you hoping to get out of it? Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's going to be a great opportunity for for everyone to really go out there and play a high intensity game. Um, I know in the past we, when you come over here and you potentially play a a, um, a county side with some younger players and they're not not the best bowling attack, and that's no disrespect. To, to the different counties that we've played against but I think we need to have a high intensity game I think uh, having 24 well you look at it it's probably two two teams two, the two best teams of the Shield season last year going at it so yeah. it's uh, you got 24 very good cricketers going at it and, and there's going to be some, some heat out there because there's going to be some spots up for grabs so it's going to be exciting to watch and be a part of And you're not with the big three fast bowlers, the Blues boys, Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, they're, they're your opponents. Yeah, I've already already laid down the rules that they must bowl the heart cross seam half volleys the whole the whole time, and they're pretty happy for me to do the same. Well, jeez, what if you do get a short one? Jeez, that's not gonna. It's not great for team unity, is it? No, it's not, is it? No, no, that's why <laughs> I don't really want to dent 
Pat's uh, confidence by sitting him in the stands either. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, he's pretty happy to bowl a half volley for me, I think. Well, you got Stark. I'll nick it anyway. Yeah, you got Stark and Hazel. They're left-handers, so get, get rid of them pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about them. Oh, Starky's arcs, pretty big one, though. Yeah. Short boundary, too. Well, yeah, so we had a look at that, and the pitch is on the far edge of the block, the mm. pitch for this game. A, it's got a fair bit of grass on it at the moment, and B, there's going to be one very short boundary, so if they've got so many left-handers, will you be definitely bowling for them hitting to the long boundary? Can we rule that in? Uh, no, I don't think... I'm not going to really look into the boundaries, I think. Where, whatever end party wants me to bowl, but I dare say I'll be bowling this end with the right-handers, the long long boundaries, to try and tempt the left-handers to take it against me, I guess. But... Uh, yeah, I'm not really worried about the boundaries here. It's just about making sure that it's a high competitive game and that we're they're putting each and everyone under pressure and and getting them ready for a test match. With a few spots up for grabs, um, what is the what's the mood in the camp like? Is are they, can you tell that so, certain players are are on edge, a little bit nervous about what's going to happen in the next four or five days? Well, I think there's a few players on uh, quite nervous, um, but that's good. That means they care. Um, so it's exciting. There's a great challenge for a lot, especially a lot of our young back batters like like Puck and um, Burnsy and, and Bangers and these guys coming back in. So it's it's a great opportunity for them. Um, so especially with two really good bowling attacks, I think there's a lot of guys who play. Near everyone's played Test cricket. Mm. Um, I think it's only really Puck that hasn't. Um, if I'm right off the top of my head so I think well, I think everyone's played international cricket like Tremaine hasn't played test cricket but oh, everyone, yeah, well, everyone yeah. would have almost yeah. represented the country so we've got very two very good bowling attacks going at it so it's going to be a great challenge for our batters talk about uh, talk about uh, fast bowls hitting that, that knee roll length and top of the stumps for, a, for an off finger spinner in England what uh, what areas do you need to target differently is there a, is there a notable change from where you want to land the ball in Australia compared to England? Uh, no, not really. I think it, it varies on, on who you're bowling to. Um, if I'm bowling to Matthew Don Wade uh, in, in the nets, I've got to bowl quite full because obviously he's a, he's a short little fella. But if I'm bowling to a Mitchell Stark, my length can't be that full so he can get in the arc. So I think it really depends on whoever it is. But my, my natural length is normally about three big steps from, from the stumps. Um, so that usually puts, puts me in a decent, decent position to hopefully challenge these guys' defence. Do you have a ground here where you feel like you're most comfortable? There are some places in the world where you just, you've had success in the past and you, you turn up and you think, yeah, I'm really comfortable bowling here. Is there any... England grounds where you feel that? Um, probably three of them out of the, the five ashes. There's probably Lords, Manchester and, and the Oval. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what it is. I just really enjoy playing at those three venues, especially especially at the Lords. I like bowling at the far end, um, try and spin up the slope um, and you'd be able to use the slope to your, your advantage as well with um, a few of their left-handers, even their right-handers as well, hopefully sliding into them or away from them. So, yeah, it's... It's going to be a great challenge, but um, yeah, I'm going to hopefully enjoy bowling all three, all five wickets. Talk about the English. They got their uh, four-day Test match against Ireland starting this week. Uh, that's their only game ahead of the Ashes. Uh, what have you made of the eleven they've picked? And they've picked a broader a squad for uh, for the Ashes training camp leading into that first Test. Uh, yeah, I think it was pretty pretty expected. Um, the squad that they've picked. 
Um, obviously, no no archer and no wood is, is a big loss for for those guys, especially their airspeed. But um, they've they've got some absolute superstars of the game. Um, they've been playing some great great cricket, even though in, in the white white ball format. Um, so so yeah, it should be interesting to um, see how they perform against Ireland. Um, I'll be watching that quite closely while while we're batting, hopefully. Um, but yeah. They're, they're usually quite a hard side over it. They know their conditions extremely well. Obviously, they've got Jimmy Anderson, whose his record speaks for his own, and so does Stuart Broad. So it's going to be a great challenge for us. But, um, yeah, I'm quietly confident. That is traditional with blokes with more than 200 test wickets to make predictions um, mm. before a series. Um, Glenn McGrath would often come out with a predicted scoreline. Have you got something that you'd like to roll out in advance? Well, I've not, never gone into a series, whether it's a three-nil series or a four-four-game series, and thought I was going to lose one. So I'm coming over here to win five Test matches. Beautiful. So and what about target players? Is there someone that you like just as a matchup you like bowling against, or you fancy yourself bowling against? Um, I think I've played about 18 Test matches against England now, so I, I know these guys pretty pretty well. So um, they're going to have their plans for me and. Um, I'm looking forward to putting my plans in, in place for all these guys. There's no real guy, guys who stand out or, or worry me or anything like that. I'm quite quite confident with the way the ball's coming out. So I'm not going to sit here and name someone, that's for sure. But, uh, what about Moe and Ali? We'll, we'll do it for uh, you. Moe and Ali, I've, I had a pretty good series against him last time, but he's, he's a... He's a world-class player as well. He's, he's played a, a lot of cricket now and um, his, his test record is pretty impressive as well. And he's played some decent cricket over here in, here in England. So, yeah, I don't think it'll be the same as what it was in Australia. You've uh, been inside to the number one in the world, one series, Ashes series at home in South Africa. What, uh, what would it mean to, to be that team to break the 18-year drought and win an Ashes series over here? Oh, it, it's like a dream. Like a, As a kid, you always dream of firstly playing cricket for Australia but winning the Ashes and yeah you're winning winning the Ashes is always there but winning away is, probably makes it more special um, the big memory for me is seeing Shane Warne with the stump and that's that's the biggest thing and I'm desperate desperate to replicate that <laughs> I reckon it'll be brilliant so you if been we win on the Ashes, I'll do it. <laughs> You've been working on your move? Like you oh, I've been practising. Yeah, don't worry about that. Like Steve Smith batting in the, net, in the room. I've got a stump up there. <laughs> You've done, as you said, this is your third one of these. Is there any feeling around this group that's different preparation-wise? Or is it something that stands out to you as you know, we are more ready or anything like that? Than uh, one big thing is the way the, the banter and the way the team feels um, like as mates. Uh, it's a lot closer than what I've probably ever been a part of. And that even going into the World Cup as well. The I know it's been um, written in the media and everything like that and spoken about. It, it, but it's, it's no lies. It's it, it's a tight knit group, um, and we're all really good mates, which actually helps us play better cricket, I believe. So, I'm, yeah, that's why I'm probably quietly confident more than more than ever. I think our especially our bowling attack is, in my eyes, is it's the best in the best in the world. Um, and that's that's a, I know that's a big statement, but I believe that, and I'm excited by the opportunity and the challenges that lay ahead. So, yeah. Is that closeness perhaps because of the like the journey you've been on, for want of a better word? I think we've played a lot of cricket together now, and um, 
I think obviously I've always been about the team success rather than personal personal success. So seeing my mates take fifers, score hundreds, take speckies, get runouts, whatever it may be, I'm all, all for that. So I think that brings, especially the bowling group is is quite tight. It's, that the bowling group is definitely the tightest I've ever been. But the whole the whole um, the whole feeling throughout the whole side from the coach from the staff from the head coach right down to to the youngest players it's it's there's no real hierarchy there's no I'm a senior player you must do what I say type thing there's a lot of banter flying flying around from the youngest player in puck um he's a great little guy and he's a great young cricketer as well so yeah it's a great feeling to be honest you'll do no, yeah you're not going to do anyone anyone says except Ricky Ponting or Steve Waugh they tell you to do something you'll do it right oh yeah that's a tugger and punter effect that <laughs> <is>. <laughs> that there's a hierarchy there. there, there's a hierarchy there. Yeah. Okay. that's fair enough though. they played under 68 test matches <laughs> <laughs> you do that you can do whatever you want yeah. 86 yeah. a long way to go about more than halfway okay we're going to finish with uh, um, a, bit, a little bit of fun here uh, Nathan you're the you're the goat Greatest Australian offspring of all time. Uh, you got the float now. Yes, get the float out there. What's he? He's the fastest left armer. Fastest lefty. Fastest lefty of right. all time. Mitchell Stark uh, ripping that open was pretty well one day cricket. That was pretty well um, self-appointed. Even though oh. David Beakley and myself come up with it, I was running the drinks at the time and gave him a drink after a Mitch took a wicket and he goes, "Yeah." I just broke the record and then just ran off. So it's quite arrogant that. Uh, so if you can guys you do can that, can you bestow a nickname on yourself, or does it have to oh, come from? But he friend? didn't come up with it. He goes, oh, "I just broke the record, just so you know," because I was too busy filling up hard a lot and making the boys make sure they're happy and not whinging. But so I wasn't really watching the game. I was, but I wasn't paying attention. Then, and <laughs> Starkey reminded me, and no one else knew about it. Um, so then I ran off, and David Beakley, the physio, and myself come up. We'll, Going through and going, quote, is it quote? It's quickest of all time, but Sharbag, Akhtar's quicker than Starkey. So True. I'm telling him that to wind him up. So, <laughs> so yeah, the he's, float it is. He's the float. So, we've got a, I'm going to get you to name a couple of other oats in the team. Uh, these are not of all time, these are just of Australian team. Yep. Makes sense. So, we'll start off with an easy one the, the moat, who's the, the messiest. Of the oh, Australian team. Smithy. Smithy for sure. He takes up about 15 metres in the change rooms. And the change rooms over here are tiny as well. <laughs> so always walking over one of his 15 bats. He's the mate. Um, I'm not sure if this is actually a word or not. We've got the Choate, who's the caffeine hound of the Australian team. Oh. Now that Marto's gone. Uh, near, near, say, JL. JL's all about grinding his own coffee on the bus. And oh, no. All that stuff. I can't stand. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I can't still stand the smell of it. But yeah, he's into his grinding coffees and all that. Rubbish. So the coach is carrying his own beans and just grinding. Yeah, it. yeah. Wow. Alex Carey's doing it as well in his room. It's weird. It's weird, but anyway. <laughs> okay. How about the bloat? This is the the best looking of the Australian oh. team. Oh, if you asked Tim Payne, <laughs> you didn't want to nominate yourself, mate. Look at me. <laughs> Now we've got the uh, the tote, which again I think is a, a, a bastardisation of a word, but the the tightest of oh, the Australian Captain. team. Tim Payne and Alex Carey are the two tightest players I've ever seen in my life. Wicket keepers. Yeah, well, Tim was come out yesterday and saying that wicket wicket keepers are the, the fun and energetic, the good good looking guys. They're also the tightest. All right. Take Brad Haddon out of that. He's very generous with Matthew buying Wade. drinks. Yeah, I'd say Matt Wade's quite tight as well. So. Right. 
Well, how about the, the to- young generation? The toast, which is the uh, the tightest of the Australian support staff. Dean Hills, <laughs> Dean Hills. I shouldn't pick on Dean. I'm a big fan of Dean. I love Dean. But yeah, Dean Hills, our our analyst, was the frugal customer. Oh, Graham Hicks up there. All oh, right. Yeah, Graham Hicks. What's wrong with Graham Hicks? Because I like I like Dean. Okay. You can't bag your own coach, can you? Yeah, you can. <laughs> and but no. also Parks up there as well. Oh, he is. He's walking. He's, he's got his, walking he's got his wallet in his hand as he's <laughs> walking across. So. T-Rex, that boy's calling. They can't, he can't reach his wallet. Right. They're saying, that you're the, uh, they're saying you're the, one of the tighter members of the squad. What's your response to that? Uh, well, that's just absolutely false. I think Tim Payne's got that covered. <laughs> Gets his allowance and still doesn't pay for anything. He owes me a couple of room service feeds as well. Um, I don't really know anyone else well enough, but I know Payne is definitely the worst. Right. I'm paying for more than he is, and I'm on a state contract, so <laughs> should say enough, I reckon. I think you've nailed it. That was Will Pekoski. Thank you, Will. See you, bro. <laughs> right. Well done. Well said. <laughs> um, this was one that might uh, cross your own territory, and again, it's a spelling mistake, but the note, the night watchman of the Australian team, is this still <laughs> your domain? Unfortunately, yeah. It's ever went, I was, but I was talking to Tugger, and he's not a fan of night watchmen. He goes, why would you send someone out that can't bat? into a tough situation and we all know how tough mentally tough Tugger is so hopefully he'll um, sit down with the batters and I'm going to actually team up to sit down with the batters Smudger and these guys who are desperate to have a night watchman when it's dark and tough so it is me you're right though wasn't that one of your you know, crowning moments, though, coming out to bat as night yeah. watchman at Perth that time? Standing when ovation. Only time I'll ever get the standing ovation. Unbelievable. You're Ricky Ponting in disguise. Yeah. And then get sledged by <laughs> Jarks and Graham Smith for the next half an hour. You survived the night, though, didn't you? Yeah. But that was the only, first and only time I batted with punter. I was so scared about running him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your last test, right? Yeah. yeah. His last test. and only, I only lasted four balls with him, but I batted with punter. Remember every one, one of them. Very good. Um, we're going to go the, uh, the, pe- the petticoat. So we're, we're out of acronyms now. We're into different territory. Who's the, who's the, uh, the player that pays the most attention to their wardrobe of the Australian team? Oh, jeez. Not me. I just wear night gear everywhere. Um, I'm going to say Usman, actually. Yeah. Usman or, or Davian. Like this, hopefully I don't hear this, but I'm no fashion expert, but questionable. Yeah, some of the stuff. He likes his uh, shoes, doesn't he, Usman? Well, he's been running around Got in Gucci kicks. joggers. Right. Davey Warner's taken to wearing the flat cap as well. What, what's they're your thoughts there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and some shirts that look like um, they should be like um, dressing table or whatever, the <laughs> tablecloths. Yeah. Right. Shocking, eh? He's the petticoat. Okay. Um, this is very obscure, but this is the uh, the steel cut oat. Like, this is people who are the fastiest eaters. They won't. The steel cut oat is, as we know, you know lower glycemic index, and some people prefer that to the rolled oat. So, uh, uh, anyone who's really fussy would have been our old masseuse Grant Bourbon if he was still yeah. around. Like he. He he wouldn't go near anything. He was the plainest of plain. Um, so there's no Warney on this team who won't touch anything that looks vaguely suspicious. Nah, nah. They're, we're all pretty good. We're we're very fortunate enough where we stay around the world, so we all get looked after get pretty well compared to back in the day. So I remember being on that uh, that Indian tour 
uh, previously this year, and uh, Joy Richardson only ate pizza. Yeah, well, yeah, Joy, Joy, if Joy was here, he would be the, Just whatever you called it. Sticks to his strengths? Yeah. Still yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's definitely the plainest. That's in the V. <laughs> yeah, doesn't he? Doesn't he? I'm going to finish with uh, the lifeboat. Now, the, uh, the lifeboat is the player that uh, you want to be stuck with on a desert island. Ah, oh, jeez. Lifeboat. Painy would be no good. No good. It'd this be too worried about him. Come on. Worried about his fingernails or something. <laughs> if I... See, I'm, I'm the only country. Well, well, it's probably Josh Hazelwood. Okay. It's probably Josh and myself that would be able to find some grub and the start a fire or something, but... If you look around the group, there's not many that would be able to. Uh, they'd be too busy worrying about their phones or, or what time their coffee dates or pedicures are on. So, is there someone who, if you saw them in a lifeboat heading for the desert island, you'd just refuse to get in because they say, "No, I can't do that." Yeah, Davy. <laughs> Davy, you talk me here off. <laughs> Well, there you he, go. He, would, he would tell me how much this boat was on, <laughs> how much the boat was worth without even seeing it before. So he's, he's very knowledgeable, young David. Very good. He's got an interesting fashion sense by the sounds of it as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he certainly does. All right. Well, uh, we won't keep you any longer. Nathan, thank you very much for coming on. All the best in the in the uh, inter-squad game for the Hick 12 and then Ashes selection and everything that comes after that. Too easy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Andrew, Australia have wrapped up the women's ashes after winning the ODI Series 3-zip and drawing the test in Taunton. Elise Perry scored another ashes century to go with the double hundreds she scored a few years ago at North Sydney Oval. The series now moves to onto the T20 format, of, uh, but even if England sweep that T20 series, they can't win the trophy, so Australia retain it. Uh, Rambo, Australian fans will be hoping that the men's side can replicate what the women have done over here and retain the ashes. Uh, there's a lot of talk how the England men's World Cup win will help inspire them to great things in the Ashes. But I think if the Australian men were looking for inspiration, they need look no further than the women's team. And they haven't put a foot wrong in their uh, appearances against the English so far. Uh, as you say, some 20 games to go, but um, it's, the trophy's theirs. They've uh, done everything they've had to do. They've been impeccable. And I think if you're looking at a template, that's be the one you'd roll out for the men. Now you would have uh, stayed up late in the night listening to the 1948 Invincibles back in the day. This team is undefeated. Can they be the modern era Invincibles? Um, yes, they probably can. Uh, they probably have you know, can point to a, a more some prouder achievements than the, the 1948 men's team. Because men, I mean, honestly, they were playing against a, a war-ravaged nation that most of the England players were still on food rations and. This is a full-strength England team at home in the glorious English summer of cricket when the, the whole nation's up and about. So I think they can probably... If they're not standing above them, they're certainly well and truly alongside them. Right. Well, here's our own Laura Jolly chatting to Sophie Molyneux, the left-arm spinner who took 4 for 95 in her debut test match. So, Soph, how's the uh, mood in the team now that you've got the ashes retained and in your keeping for another couple of years? Yeah, no, it's pretty good. We're... Um yeah, just on the bus now on the way to on the way to London to enjoy a couple of days off. But um, yeah, we're 
I never really got made, I suppose. We had a few good days of cricket and, um, yeah, ready to just uh, enjoy what London's got, got in store for us. And what are you guys going to be doing in London? Um, we're going to Buckingham Palace and, and, and doing a few uh, touristy things, I suppose. But, um, yeah, even just to have three days um, away from cricket and just to um, enjoy England. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. That's great. And can you tell me what that moment was like where BC gave you your, your baggy green last Thursday? Yeah, it was really special. It was... Um, BC's a sweet legend of, of cricket and um, for her to be to be here in England um, watching us and um, yeah being able to present that cap was um, was really special so yeah and, and everyone was around and she, and she mentioned a few people from back at home and yeah they obviously um, meant a lot so yeah it was a really cool moment. And you obviously had to wait a couple of days to get into the action with the rain and the top order batting so well, but what was it like when you walked out to the middle for the first time? Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. With um, Yeah, the first couple of days there wasn't much action. Um, yeah, but even we had the best seat in the house to, to watch Pez and Rach and, and everyone go out there and, and bat the way they did. It was, um, it was good to good to watch but it was also really good to get out there on that third day and and give it a crack so um yeah i think there's a lot of us got a bit twitchy bum towards the, the end of day two and we're ready to go so um yeah we, we sort of definitely caught up the last couple of days and what was that feeling like when you got that first wicket um yeah it was it was cool i got really excited um i think more so we knew there's going to be a big task to take 20 wickets and um yeah i think that was just just made it one step closer obviously so um yeah it was it was a really good moment and now looking ahead to the t20s you're obviously staying with the squad now for the rest of the trip how's it feel being back with the team after coming in a little later yeah no, it's, it's been great um certainly missed it and um yeah to be back here it's um yeah that's what i wanted from the start and yeah and it's been a longish four to five months and um, I suppose it's just all worth it now when you're, when you're here and um, wearing the baggy green and playing with your mates again so um, yeah there's, I'm really looking forward to what's to come over the next couple of weeks and we've, um, we've still got a big job to do so um, yeah we're all pretty focused and um, at the same time we're really enjoying it. Do you think it's going to be a challenge switching back into T20 mode coming out of the test match? I don't think so. I think we're all naturally, um, well, we play a lot of T20 cricket, so I think all naturally we've, we've got that attacking sort of um, nature to our game. So hopefully that doesn't, um, I don't think it really got lost in that test match either. So um, I don't, I can't expect it to, yeah, I don't really expect that we'll have any issues adapting. And um, England refer to Chelmsford as their fortress, I believe. They've never lost a game there. Uh, how much would it mean to the team to take that title off them on Friday night? Yeah, obviously it meant a lot. Um, it'd be really nice to, to get the job done um, in the in the first T20. And yeah, obviously it sounds like there's going to be a, a strong contingency of, of English people there supporting them. So um, yeah, to be able to go against the grain and, and and pinch that one would would obviously mean a lot and um yeah we're going in confident so yeah hopefully we can we can go in and, and do that and there was a little bit of a, a mention from matthew mott yesterday about 
the potential to go through an entire tour undefeated. Has that crossed your mind at all? Um, no, it hasn't really. I'm just sort of, um, I'm sort of taking it day by day, and um, I suppose don't want to look too far ahead. But yeah, at the same time, that the thought of that would be pretty special, especially in a on an away away trip in in England. Um, I don't think that's been done in a while. So um, yeah, to be able to do that would be really cool. But I think everyone's um, yeah, I'm sort of on the same page. We're taking it game by game, and um, yeah, we've got a big game on Friday and. Yeah, hopefully we can we can tick that one off and um, yeah and win it. And I think this is the first T20 the team is going to be playing since that World Cup final in the Caribbean. Um, it's been a bit of a wait, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It feels like <laughs> feels like a long time ago. A lot's happened since then. So um, yeah, I think we're all sort of hanging out to to get back in um, in that format. And um, yeah, obviously we've got some some pretty fond memories um, our last T20. So. Yeah, hopefully we can keep that momentum rolling. Great. Thanks for the chat, Soph, and all the best for Friday night. Thanks, LJ. Rambo, we're going to close out the show with what we're most looking forward to in the intra-squad clash. It's on from 11 a.m. local time on Tuesday. That's 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time in Australia uh, with scores and highlights on cricket.com.au. Mind if I go first? No, it's your show. I'm going to go with... uh, Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, and Josh Hayeswood, the New South Wales Blues, and test attack most of the time when they're all fit uh, against Steve Smith, the former number one batsman in the world, test batsman in the world, number four at the moment. Uh, very rarely would they have come across each other uh, on opposite sides in a cricket game, a professional one at that. I think Pat Cummins played against Steve Smith in 2017 in an IPL game, uh, the Pune Rising Super Giants. Is that it? Is that what they were called? Supergiant, I think. The Supergiant and uh, the Delhi Capitals. Uh, but I uh, can't imagine Stark and Hazelwood going against Smith in a uh, proper cricket game. So I can't wait to see that battle. And uh, they've had plenty in the nets, but this will be kind of a, as close as the real thing as you can get. Uh, that will be interesting. And uh, as you say, they would have bowled a lot of balls at him in a practice net. Um, but in a match situation, uh, maybe if they get first use with on a you know a new pitch with a brand new Duke's ball, could be quite absorbing. Mm. What are you going to go with? As my highlight, um, having covered a few Ashes series here when Australia have come out on the wrong side of the ledger, just the fact that knowing an Australia team will win mm. is probably going to be something. Um, it's a good way to start the tour, isn't it? It's a good way to start the tour, but even for me, that's a bit glib. So uh, I would say my real highlight would be um, watching Matthew Wade bat. I've been hearing these stories. I uh, obviously saw a bit of him during the Australian summer, at both white ball and red ball cricket. Um, but he's, the form that he showed then is apparently carried on, if not uh, gone up another level here in England. Uh, I know you've seen a bit of him on the uh, A Tour, Samuel, but I yes. haven't, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he strikes the ball. And I gather that some of his teammates have already started calling him Don. I don't know who Don Wade was, but clearly he was a very good player. He might have been the guy that was in that 1948 time. Not Don Wade, Don Bradman perhaps. Oh. Similar average, I think he's going. I think Matt Wade might be striking it a little bit uh, higher than Don Bradman. Yes, and I hear he's got a special bat that's been made for him too. So we tried uh, to we tried to look at that. We couldn't see it, could we? No, no. It's it's apparently away, the uh, the small man. The intricacies are quite detailed. Like it's a slightly longer handle, slightly shorter blade, but uh, um, these things are all incremental. So if clearly whatever it is, it's working for him. 
It's working. And guess what? That's it for this week's episode. We're going to be back to break down Australia's Ashes squad, which is set to be named at the end of the intra-squad clash here in Southampton. But until then, for all your news scores and video on the men's and women's Ashes, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.